When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The rose water collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. I'm Hugh Atchison. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, a traveler, and now I'm the host of The Passenger. People ask me all the time, you know, what's that list of places to go in this city, in that city? And this show is dedicated to that idea, immersing yourself in that culture and finding out what's intriguing and what we think about the future of that place as a visitor, as a passenger. The first season of The Passenger premieres February 27th. Subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Annie, and you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. And today we're rerunning a classic that has it's been top of mind for me recently, and it is about anger, and in particular, angry women and how we perceive angry women. And I think I've mentioned in passing a couple of times on the show, I have always, always, always had trouble expressing anger. I go from a 1 to an 11. And the 11 is very rare, but it is probably far more than whatever situation, (laughs) whatever it warrants. I do not have a healthy in-between. And this is because in my family, my dad very much did not let me express negative emotions, but also... I think society at large is extremely uncomfortable with women expressing anger, and we penalize women for expressing anger. I have trouble even raising my voice to the point that sometimes I'm concerned I wouldn't be able to if the situation, if I really needed to. Um, The subject of women and anger has been in the news a lot lately, starting with the onslaught of furious women after the 2016 American election. You've got Auntie Maxine, the whole thing around Serena Williams, And then I'm sure a lot of you saw recently the testimony of Brett Kavanaugh um, compared to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and how he was a crying, screaming rage monster. Um, And as this episode will, will delve into, angry men are often seen as more competent and taken more seriously, whereas Angry women are seen as more emotional and less competent, which is infuriating. Um, I have, I have gotten more comfortable, especially recently, because there's so much, so many things that make me angry. Expressing anger and accepting my anger and not being as afraid of it, but it is, it is sort of a constant battle, and there, there is this tightrope of knowing how angry women are perceived. But I think that more and more of us are starting to accept our anger, and I, I think it, it is powerful, and it is pushing, it's pushing a lot of us to, do, to run for political office, to, to fight against all of these, these injustices that we see. Um, so 
I hope that you enjoy this classic, find it useful, and if if you've been struggling to deal with your anger or find your anger, I hope it helps you do that as well. Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I was talking to a group of young women our, our age, young, young ladies, who were discussing the topic of, of anger, women in anger. And we, we sort of got on the topic because one, one of the women was saying, you know, I've just been feeling so angry lately and not at a person or at a thing or just with road rage, but just sort of bubbling over with anger in general. Does anyone else feel this way and how can I combat it? And I came back with, you know, hey, lady, I actually feel the same way. And I didn't really want to talk about it because, you know, nobody wants to seem like a negative Nancy. Nobody wants to come off as some really negative, angry person, Um, especially with all of the different types of research that have been done on how women are perceived when they're angry versus men. You could do you could get into a whole thing with it, which we will. But so I thought it would be a great topic to look into But as I was doing some research, as Kristen and I were researching, we really did not find anything that jumped out at us as far as a trend piece or anything about women in our generation experiencing more anger, less anger, different anger than women in the past have. Right. There's some scientific research that we'll get into, into the biological sex differences and some socialization factors that get into that. Um, But there wasn't that much digging into culturally this idea of the angry woman and especially how, you know, if you think about um, in feminist circles, how often are women, liberal women criticize as angry feminists right. and it's such a bad thing if we're angry. And then there's also the trope going beyond all of this of, say, the angry black woman where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, be careful not to, to rile her because she'll just spiral right out of control. Um, so let's let's get into this anger and maybe circle back to anger in adult women because, yeah, similar to you, Caroline, I was really surprised at the gap of like, hey, where where are the angry women? Do we just not want to talk about it? Yeah, I well, I mean, I am surprised just because I feel like there are a lot of things today with our generation and where we are as far as in the workplace and trying to, I mean, how many articles have been written about women trying to balance everything in their lives? But where are the articles about like, how that actually can make us feel. Yeah. Uh, so let's start from a very basic point of what is anger? I mean, I, th- I think everybody knows the feeling of anger and the effects of anger. But scientifically speaking, anger is an emotional state that consists of feelings of irritation, annoyance, fury or rage, and heightened activation or arousal of the autonomic nervous system. Right. So where does anger come from? When does it jump up in our system? Usually anger results either from violations of expectations that we have or blocking our goals. And it sparks in the brain 
so quickly. It takes the brain less than two seconds to process anger, and it activates the amygdala, the frontal lobe, which is our seat of reasoning, our fight or flight response. And, and thankfully, there's a hormone called acetylcholine that once our anger starts to ebb, it brings us back down from the edge of the cliff. Mm. Oh, and even just thinking about that physiological feeling of anger mm-hmm. is making me tense. Well, I wonder if that's what's going on when I'm in traffic. I've been doing so ever since I got back from vacation. Uh, I have been trying to do some deep breathing in traffic. Like anytime anyone cuts me off, because hello, it's Atlanta. Uh, so it happens every two seconds. Um, <laughs> I try to take that deep breath and I feel that immediate calming sensation. So I wonder if that's the hormone or if that's just me taking a breath. <laughs> or maybe just a, a combination of both. Um, and I mean, the thing, I don't know about you, but for me, anger is sort of a frightening uh, emotional reaction because it feels so uncontrollable. And maybe it's because it's considered a primitive human reaction. Right. Rich Pfeiffer, who's the president of the National Anger Management Association, wrote that anger activates the primitive human brain, referred to as the limbic system, which is automatic and impulsive. And this is going off of something that T.D. Kemper wrote in 1987, basically saying that anger has actual evolutionary value. It's been with us forever. It's present in our early life as children. It has cross-cultural universality and has differentiated autonomic patterns in our brains from other emotions. Yeah, it's so very distinct and so very common. Uh, Some surveys find that Americans report feeling anger one to two days per week. But, I mean, there are also some studies that say that up to a third of us, I think, report feeling angry every single day. I have those weeks. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Those are not good weeks. No, not good weeks. That's when you bring out the box of of wine. But the, the interesting thing about anger, too, when you think about it from an emotional standpoint, is that it's a very social emotion. A lot of times if you're just sitting in a room by yourself, you know, not on the Internet, just just hanging out. Anger is not going to be all of that present, probably. It's usually when other people get involved that anger tends to spark more often. Right. Scott Scheiman, who is from the University of Toronto and wrote the anger chapter in the Handbook of the Sociology of Emotions, which I would love to go back and read about the other emotions, uh, talks about the fact that common elicitors of anger include perceived or actual insult, injustice, betrayal, inequity, unfairness, goal impediments, the incompetent actions of another, which is pretty much why I'm angry all the time. Um, and being the target of another person's verbal or physical aggression. And the big reason for anger is actions that threaten an individual's self-concept, identity, or public image. So again, we see those common themes coming up over and over again of expectations being violated, control factors, other people maybe coming in the way of what we need to get done. And so no wonder... Anger arises quite often at the workplace as a result of marriage relationships, parenting, and so forth. Whenever you're getting all those people in a room together, (laughs) you're going to get angry. Right. And I mean, that's not even mentioning or going into like the gender and power divides yet. I mean, of, you know, all of those multifaceted aspects of the workplace, of marriage relationships. But, you know, uh, while anger can be definitely negative because, you know, excessive anger does affect your mental and physical health, 
there are positive aspects of it. I mean, to a degree, it can help motivate you. Sure. I mean, when you feel so angry, it can push you forward to finding a solution. Right. Exactly. That's actually, I mean, anger is sort of kind of what drove me to leave my newspaper job. I mean, you know, I just got I just got one more email. I just got one more terrible office space kind of email and then I was done. Well, also, I mean, so in addition to motivating you to possibly improve your situation, anger can also increase your sense of control. I mean, how many times have you experienced maybe not like super excessive negative anger, but like a degree of anger that makes you think, you know what, I'm going to do something about this today. Then I, that is very positive. Yeah, I, I remember distinctly when I was probably 16, 17 years old in high school, and the first time that I got mad at my parents. I mean, granted, it was this, you know, kind of a teen rebellion acting out sort of thing, but I got angry and I got loud, and I felt that sense of control for the first time of saying, oh, I own this room now. Mm-hmm. And I'm being very angry. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, I'm I'm sure it was a nightmare for my parents at the time. Uh, But yeah, there was that distinct feeling of like, no, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to do this. Well, but that is a feeling I think that maybe, you know, we're about to get into gender issues here. That feeling of like taking control, I think, is what a lot of women feel uncomfortable with. Absolutely. Um, It's interesting when you look at how common anger might be between men and women, it's not so different. It's not that men are angrier than women or vice versa. The difference between anger and men and women really comes down to the way that we experience it. So our gender, our sex, affects how we perceive anger, ours and others, whether it's positive or negative, but also how we express it. Now, stereotypes that we're all very familiar with about emotions say that women have less self-control with emotions, whereas men are more buttoned up. You know, women were always like weeping and asking for chocolate and crying on our best friend's shoulder. And men, you know, they man up and they're, they're all tough. But Shyman, who we mentioned earlier, says that anger might be the exception to that emotion stereotype. Yeah, it's definitely considered a male masculine emotion. And so perhaps men are more comfortable with expressing anger. And there are often these gender scripts that help shape emotional regulation in that women are expected to not show their anger or else risk being labeled as hostile, neurotic or unladylike, whereas men and boys are expected to be over. No, you know, to take care of things. That's my impression of an angry man, if you didn't get it. Um, and, and there are some interesting studies that have been done looking at how we perceive the uh, an angry emotion on someone's face. And, and there was one that showed people just androgynous faces, not particularly masculine or feminine. And people rated those faces that had angry expressions on them as masculine, and those depicting sadness or happiness as feminine. Mm -hmm. And so no wonder Caroline feminists are so often labeled as just angry as an insult because our outright expression of anger is a direct violation of gender norms. Hmm. Interesting. It's daring to be angry. Yeah, exactly. Just like you did. Oh, I know. Just like, well, that's kind of the bad side of anger. (laughs) And I mean, I'm sure whatever I was arguing, I don't even remember what I was arguing with my parents about, but I'm I'm sure it was something along the lines of me wanting to stay out later than I should have. 
Well, but darn it. Dad gummit. Dad gummit. Okay. So a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, <laughs> then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them, so that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. Okay, the new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman have never been more hilarious as America's favorite moms turned gangsters, Beth, Ruby, and Annie. Already this season, there have been some big twists and breathtaking surprises. The fans love it, and the critics do, too. Variety calls good girls addictive and audacious. Entertainment Weekly says it's just what you need, and Rotten Tomatoes certifies good girls 100% fresh. So, if you've missed any of the new season, get yourself online and stream it now. And Sundays on NBC, watch it live. There's sure to be big twists and huge surprises. So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC, and stream anytime. Um, well, so, I mean, we have these gender stereotypes, but it's not like we don't act according to them. Uh, men do tend to be aggressive and impulsive, and Dr. Raymond Giuseppe found that men actually had more of a revenge motive to their anger, so they're, they're pretty driven in their anger. Whereas when women are angry, we talk more about our feelings and stay angry longer. We are more resentful and more likely to just write off another person because they've made us mad. Yeah, and when I read that, it totally resonated with me because, you know, I've seen this happen. I may or may not have been guilty of at least making that threat in anger of like, well, you know, you'll just be gone. I just don't have to deal with you anymore. And in my mind, that kind of anger of just eliminating a person writing somebody off, to me that's far more powerful than throwing a punch or just yelling and stomping out. I've done it. I wonder if it's because, like, we watch so much Oprah where they talk about toxic people, you know, like cutting toxic people out of your life. But I've done it. I mean, I, I think, okay, have people done it in an overreacting way? Yeah, probably. But it does, it does feel good when someone's making you angry and you have that realization of, like, oh, but you make me angry all the time that when you finally do write that person off, I mean, maybe you're not as angry anymore. And you know what that circles back to is increasing that sense of control. There you go. Because you're like, oh, wait, I actually don't have to deal with you. <laughs> hmm. Maybe we should table toxic people for another one. Not to say that it's always, you know, that people are always deserving of 
being written off. Anywho, how um, there was an interesting study, though, that was conducted in 1993. So it's a little bit dated, but it was one of the first groundbreaking looks at where women's anger tends to stem from. And it was conducted by psychologist Sandra Thomas, and she identified three major roots of women's anger, which speaks volumes about uh, these gender dynamics because it's powerlessness, injustice, and the irresponsibility of other people. Yeah. So give us equality in the workplace and put your dishes away. That's right. Yeah. There we <laughs> that, go. When I'm, seriously, like, I'm not trying to be glib when I read Irresponsibility of Other People. I was like, I know, right? Would people just clean up after themselves? It would be, <laughs> it would be nice. Anyway, so moving on. Now, there was a study published in the journal Aggressive Behavior, published in February 2006, that looked at differences in anger-provoking behaviors and verbal insults. And it found that men were more likely to consider sort of physical things as anger-provoking. And in the examples given in the study, those were uh, women exhibiting physical aggression or a man hurting another person. Um, Whereas women were more likely to mention condescending or insensitive behaviors, regardless of whether it's coming from a man or a woman, uh, along with verbal aggression as being more anger-provoking. I mean, and of course they also found physical aggression to to trigger the anger, but the verbal stuff and the more behavioral stuff came into play a lot more for women. And also for women, one of the big differences was uh, accusations of promiscuity. Uh, Old slut-shaming. Hey, what's up? Yeah, no wonder it it makes us angry. Um, dishonesty, just, just dishonesty, plain and simple, provoked more anger when coming from a woman. Huh. Oh, lying women. Mm, lying women. Interesting. Um, one thing, you know, we, we, we talk about gender divides in the workplace a lot and, you know, anger is no different. It's something that people experience at work. Um, a study in psychological science from March 2008 found that men benefit, straight out benefit, from anger at work, whereas women do not. Um, men who expressed anger in a professional context were conferred higher status than men who expressed sadness. So there we have this gender norms. Anger is a normal masculine emotion, whereas sadness is considered more feminine. Um, both men and women conferred lower status on angry female professionals than male. Which is totally not surprising whatsoever because if you already have a woman in more of a leadership position, she's already at social risk from having violated those those norms of climbing up the ladder and then to show anger on top of that. Right. Well, she's just going to be considered a, a shrew. Right. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting about this study, though, was that women's emotional reactions were attributed to internal characteristics. Oh, they're PMSing again. Whereas men's were attributed to external circumstances. So obviously, if a woman is expressing a masculine emotion like anger, you know, she's got to be like, you know, her her uterus is floating around her body. Whereas men probably have a legitimate reason. Yeah, you know, the shipment didn't come, that didn't come in on time or something. But there was an equalizer with all of this. They found that providing an external attribution for the person's anger eliminated gender bias. So if you're able to basically say, oh, okay, well, uh, our stock price plummeted today, so that's why he or she is angry, then everyone's like, oh, okay. Right. 
But yeah, so that, I mean, that is something important to keep in mind. Whether you're a man or a woman at work, people are making really big assumptions about you when you act a certain way. Although I will say, I mean, you know, while the study says that men benefit from anger at work, I, I imagine that's to a point. Sure. I mean, if you're hitting people and like flipping over desks and creating a toxic environment. Correct. And then I would just write you off. That's right. Because <laughs> I'm ruthless. I'm going to write you off and march straight to the unemployment office. I'll show you. Um, but let's circle back to, to this idea that women might hold in our anger, stay angrier longer, even though we might be quieter, uh, because this might be leading to a higher rate of internalizing disorders. Right. This is coming from psychologist Susan Nolan Hoxima and Cheryl L. Rusting, who found that women show higher rates for all mood and anxiety disorders, except, importantly enough, manic episodes. Uh, and that includes depression. And they report feeling more shame, sadness, guilt, and fear. Whereas externalizing disorders, things like antisocial personality disorder and substance use disorders, are diagnosed more often in men. But when it comes to self-reporting, women, yet again, reported just as much anger and hostility as men. So, again, we're expressing it, we're experiencing it probably differently. And so the inconsistency in these findings could be related to the gender differences that elicit anger and that we're more likely to feel shame and sadness. Oh, man, that's depressing. Yeah, because I just I feel like it's kind of a minefield. Not only are we kind of discouraged from feeling or expressing anger, but if we do, I feel like we're more likely to be guilty about it and, and ashamed of our strong masculine emotion. Oh, yeah. If I, if I let my temper flare mm -hmm. and I get loud to another person about it, <laughs> try to put this delicately, I feel incredibly guilty. Uh, it's like a, it's a cycle. I can predict it almost yeah. down to the minute. Well, I can't. All right. Maybe this says something bad about me. I, I can't say that when I get actually angry, not just annoyed or whatever. When I get actually angry, I can't say that I feel guilty about it. But I do. It just poisons like the next several hours for me. Right. I guess it's more I don't feel guilty about feeling angry. I, get, I feel guilty if I express it to the target of uh -huh. that anger. Okay. Because my voice, Caroline, can get loud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeller. Well, I um, just drop a lot of F-bombs, like, uncontrollably. No, I'm, like, I had a day, a couple last week, <laughs> a day where I just seriously, like, let loose a string of F-bombs, and I couldn't even control it. Like, I couldn't even, it's not like I was making a conscious effort to say F this and F that and F that guy and screw this and, no, I, I was just, uh, I, th I don't know, I blacked out for a second. I came to, and I was like, man, I said a lot of f-bombs but i've got to go do work now so oh well and then you realize you were live on television <laughs> oh no you've been ashton kutcher this whole time uh no but seriously a lot of a lot of this uh this research has been resonating a lot with mm -hmm. my own personal patterns of anger and even just talking publicly about being angry, I'm not calling myself an angry person, but even just acknowledging to the world that I experience and express anger sometimes, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I guess I, I think that speaks to our identities, our personal, our personal identities, how we think of ourselves and also how we want to 
pro- portray ourselves to other people. It feels very vulnerable. I'll yeah. say that. To, to speak honestly about it. Uh, but maybe, perhaps, could it get better as as we get older? Maybe we're just young and crazy and, you know, just fiery women. And, and anger will just kind of chill out as we get older. Um, maybe, but probably not. Most studies have shown, honestly, that if you're a fiery, angry 20-something, you're going to be a fiery, angry 60-something. Oh. Well, and there was also this. I'm, I'll be curious to hear from any listeners to fit this demo, whether this uh, rings true to you. Sandra Thomas at UT Knoxville uh, did a study in January 2002, and she found that women in their 40s scored significantly higher on anger at work than women of other ages, and their scores were twice as high as men in their 40s. I wonder, though, this mm-hmm. is my pet theory, is that women in their 40s, if you have a job, you're probably also taking care of kids. Right. There's the imbalance a lot of times of right. the housework. Yeah, you might you might be a bit angrier. Yeah, I absolutely. I thought the same thing when I read that. Um, but as far as Kristen raising our voices and expressing anger to other people, you're in the majority. Um, they found in this study, as uh, Thomas found in the study, that um, there were significant age differences for the propensity to overtly express anger. Women in their 20s and 30s had the highest mean score on the total expressed anger scale, leading Thomas to ask whether we're seeing a weakening of traditional gender role socialization. So basically, uh, women are becoming more expressive of anger mm-hmm. more often. Yeah, there was, speaking of which, a very flimsy Daily Mail, yes, <laughs> the Daily Fail story that we found um, on how young girls are fighting and becoming, you know, these rambunctious young women and so we must be angry and crazy now. What 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 to do about it? Uh, which I don't even know if it's worth citing. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because in all of this, this actual academic research about anger and how we express it according to our gender norms, um, there's like, hey, girls getting bar fights now. That means equality, right? Or something. Oh no. <laughs> okay. So, a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair. I can definitely relate to the confidence part because if my hair is doing something a little weird, something I don't want it to do, (laughs) then I, I can't stop thinking about it the rest of the day. Oh my God, we've all been there. Pantene's rosewater collection feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rosewater because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. Your hair doesn't look really great. Thank you. I actually worked in a place for a while that was very sensitive environmentally, and we weren't allowed to use shampoos that had sulfate in them, so that's something that I look for these days. And bonus, I love the way that my hair looks now. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Here's the thing. Saving money with GEICO is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. 
So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Moving on. So how do we manage all this anger? We, we both acknowledge that it happens to us. Clearly, it happens to other people. And it's this fully physical, mental process that is natural. It's totally natural. But we need to... We need to manage it. How do we do that? Right. Well, there are three basic responses to anger. Those are, one, expression, everything from having a nice, calm discussion to blowing up and yelling a lot of F-bombs about something that didn't go your way. Not that I'm being specific. Suppression, which can be holding it in, changing your focus or letting it go. And you would think that letting it go could be a good thing, but I would think that this refers to, like, if somebody keeps harping on you or infringing on something and you just continue not to deal with it, that could be a bad thing. But also, let's look at management. That's the third one. And that is acknowledging anger as a normal emotion and making choices to improve your situation. Not just dropping F-bombs, but actually doing something about it. Yeah, there. some of the stuff we read said that venting like that, letting your volcano explode, is actually not the best way to express yourself. So the Mayo Clinic, for instance, offers a number of suggestions on healthy anger management, which is as basic as counting to 10, you know, taking a time out before re- you react, um, expressing your anger once you're calm. So you're not being confrontational. Exercise, that's something I wholeheartedly believe in. I've talked before about how yoga essentially keeps me sane along with jogging. Um, Also looking for solutions rather than just looking for a target. Yeah. And one important thing that I try to remember every time I have, I try to have a productive conversation with my roommate is to use I statements. Try to avoid criticizing or placing blame. Um, And also... This is a hard one, I think, but don't hold a grudge. Try to forgive and learn from the situation. Also practice relaxation skills, things like yoga help, meditation, you know, napping. Um, but also know when to seek help. For instance, the, the whole conversation that started this topic uh, that we picked, you know, there's a point at which you're not just kind of going through a funk. Maybe you're not just annoyed with, you know, traffic or work or whatever, it's, it's something that maybe has changed or something that has gotten worse over time and maybe you're just now noticing it. So you do need to go talk to someone that's perfectly normal and healthy. Yeah, I think that point of remembering that anger is a normal human emotion that has been with us for millennia mm-hmm. is really important. It helps you kind of rationalize things maybe right. in the heat of the moment. And I absolutely think that... Because when I like when I took vacation and I had a minute to actually think, you know, a minute to actually sit and drink coffee and think, you know, I, I did reflect on the things that had made me angry in my life and like, okay, what what's driving this like crazy town feeling and what can I do to change that stuff? You know, not just letting it stew. Actually give yourself a minute to kind of Think about why you're having this reaction and what needs to change. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, (laughs) not managing your anger and just letting it eat away at you is not good for your health overall. It's probably not good for your relationships either. But just physically speaking, a lot of studies have shown how not managing your anger in a positive way is possibly worse than the health effects of smoking and obesity. Yeah, we found a lot of studies uh, from Harvard. Um, Most of them focused on men. So we'll have to, you know, hey, listeners out there who do research, 
could you get on this? Um, Harvard found that among men with an average age of 62, the angriest were three times more likely to develop heart disease than the most relaxed. And coming from Johns Hopkins, a study tracked male medical students for 36 years and found that anger in young adulthood emerged as a predictor of premature heart disease. Listen to this. The angriest students were six times more likely to suffer heart attacks by 55 and three times more likely to develop some type of cardiovascular disease. And so I can only imagine that the fact that women tend to stay angrier longer could have equally dire physical consequences as well. I mean, because think about all of those physiological facets of anger, things like a surge in adrenaline, the stress hormone that boosts blood pressure and pulse rate, increasing the heart's workload and increasing also its need for oxygen. Anger actually makes your body work harder. Right. It activates platelets, those little tiny blood cells that trigger blood clots. And high anger levels can even provoke a spasm in a coronary artery. So it's really not a good idea to get angry and stay angry for a long period of time. Yeah, there was one uh, study we found from July 2003 in psychosomatic medicine, um, and it suggested that women suppressed anger correlated with cardiovascular and cancer-related early mortality. And so essentially, these women were dying sooner, maybe, possibly related to not expressing that anger. Yeah, so I don't know, man. Uh, I guess I would sum it up by saying that you've got to use anger as a catalyst to look internally at things that maybe aren't going your way and figure out how you can change them or fix them. Because if you just stay angry... I mean, that has some pretty dire consequences. And also maybe focusing on how anger can be a positive in those ways that we noted in terms of being a motivator to find solutions, a warning that something might be wrong, that you need to adjust something in your life, or increasing that sense of control. And perhaps as women, circling back to the beginning of the conversation with, you know, women our age saying like, you know what, I'm angry and I don't know why, or, you know, feminists who are criticized for being angry and like the the label of anger being sort of dangled over women's heads mm -hmm. of like, oh, you don't want to come across that way, do you? And maybe saying, you know what, actually, it's totally fine to be angry. Yeah. There I mean, are reasons for it. There are definitely reasons for it. <laughs> We're not talking about being irrationally angry, you know, but sure, maybe it should be okay, more okay for women to get angry sometimes. Yeah. So curious to hear what folks have to say about this one. Your thoughts on anger <laughs> expressed kindly. <laughs> yeah. Know. Don't be angry at us. Yeah. And now our letters. Okay. Well, I have a letter here from Elizabeth who wrote to us about our bachelorette party episode. She says, I am Mormon, and so are my friends who are my bridesmaids, and as such, we had a stone-cold sober night out on the town in Baltimore. We spent the first part of the day shopping and touring the Inner Harbor, followed by a delicious dinner and dessert at a downtown restaurant. The night was finished by going to a dueling piano bar and enjoying the spectacular musical talent. I had such a great time with all of my girlfriends and never once thought I was prude or missing out because I didn't have penis whistles, binge drink, or watch a male stripper, etc. In fact, I firmly believe I had an even better time because of it. No hangover, less expensive, I remember all the good times, and it felt very classy and fun. I saw the night as a celebration for me and the girls of my upcoming nuptials and as part of my thank you for all of their hard work and effort supporting me along the way. 
Just food for thought for other women who were turned off by the current status quo for bachelorette parties. And then she says, thanks for the podcast. Hey, you're welcome. And I have been listening for a couple years now and always enjoy that it challenges me to think outside my sometimes narrow view of the world. And thank you for sharing your view with us, Elizabeth. And I've got a Facebook message here from Dana. And she was writing about our episode on office romances. And she has an interesting story to share. She says, I currently work in a male-dominated work environment of brewing, and I am dating my boss. She said, when I was going through this, I was extremely happy in my job and extremely attracted to my boss. I didn't want to lose my job, lose face, or mess up the women in brewing image. I needed guidance. I really couldn't find any that suggested that the scenario might work out. Ultimately, against the advice of almost everyone I knew, I decided to trust myself, and so did he. I agree with Caroline that working your way to the top using sexuality is despicable. I think these days, character determines the existence of abuse, exploitation, and inequity in the workplace dating dynamic. I don't think the formula male manager plus female subordinate necessarily equates to those things. Once my manager and I decided that we were falling in rub, (laughs) we told the CEO and HR. The response was, okay, we'll make this work. We signed one of those Cupid-type contracts and have moved forward. It's been a year now we live together, and I can still work with him as my manager. I think that the CEO's judgment was based on his thought that we were good people with integrity. Maybe if we were unscrupulous people, he would not have trusted us to engage in what is now pretty much against company policy. But the relationship was never casual, so perhaps there was inherent respect to rely on. I suppose that if it was merely dating, I wouldn't have trusted him as much. So long story short, you can date your boss as long as both parties aren't heads. <laughs> so thanks Dana and Elizabeth and everybody else for writing in. Momstuffadiscovery.com is where you can send your emails. You can also message us on Facebook or tweet us at momstuffpodcast. And you can keep up with us during the week over on Tumblr where it's stuffmomneverToldyou.tumblr.com where you can follow us. And don't forget that you can watch us as well on YouTube youtube.com slash stuff mom never told you is where you can go and don't forget to subscribe for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com so here's something that some of you might find shocking 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.